Hello everyone, it's Christian Fuchs, former Schalke player. And just to know, you are listening to Schalke America. Glück auf. Blau und Weiß sein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, willkommen zum einzigen Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. Officially the world's only Schalke Podcast in English. Welcome to episode 146 of Schalke America. I'm your host Richard Carmen. Joining me as always co-host Jack Mangan. Happy Victory Monday. Happy Victory Monday, sir. How are you? I'm doing better than you are. Do you have any frostbite by any chance? Uh, I heard you were in a cold temperature this week. I, I'm doing. I'm doing all right. Yeah, I was. Uh, I drove up to the Twin Cities uh, to attend the uh, the USA Honduras World Cup qualifier. I spoke. Uh, yes, at uh, at Allianz Field or Arena, whatever they're calling it, the the nice new stadium up there, which was lovely, and I'm sure would have been significantly more lovely had it not been essentially zero degrees. Uh, at kickoff so um but you know it, it's nice to feel alive every once in a while and uh, yeah. no permanent damage for me can't necessarily Good. say the same for some of the honduran players that were removed <laughs> at halftime due to hypothermia um yeah. hopefully u.s soccer doesn't decide to do something like that again because it was probably pretty dumb but yeah uh, you know you can say you were there at least how about that yeah that's true that's true williams in the house says happy victory monday happy victory monday indeed yeah it was uh McKinney, sorry i should say our boy mckinney leading the scoring um, a goal which I did not see because I did not get to my seats until the 30th minute uh, due to long security lines and such. But uh, had I been there to see, it would have been quite nice because my seats were uh, right behind the goal, uh, which is the side that McKinney scored on. So I thought you were going to say you were inside somewhere getting warm for a couple minutes. <laughs> you missed the goal. <laughs> no, I was outside in the cold and missed the goal. Yeah. Uh, double Joseph's in the house says, happy victory Monday. Happy victory Monday. Yeah, what a what a game. Uh, well, the game that you were at, but also the game we witnessed on, what was it, Saturday now, Saturday morning. Um, two to one victory. Uh, revenge. Regensburg revenge. Regensburg. Regensburg revenge. I like that. I like that. The alliteration there uh yeah it was an interesting game um in many ways not just with the score lines and what, and what happened in the game but yeah it was just uh an interesting game nonetheless and uh renee's in the house says hello fellow Toroda stands hello hello uh zuli's in there says hello uncle pedro okay uh but yes Game 2-1, victory. It's nice to get revenge here against uh, Regensburg. We talked about how important these first four games are right out of the block. Um, and really, uh, Regensburg is another team in the top eight that we had to prove ourselves against, right? And we did. We did. Um, interesting game overall. Thoughts before yeah, we get into I, it? I think I was one of the people that was maybe slightly more in the minority in terms of feeling that the the first leg against Regensburg, which was one of those early kind of comprehensive defeats that we suffered, was potentially a little bit flattering to them in terms of the actual scoreline. Um, I do feel as though yes. they were the significantly more organized and composed um, team, which part of that could have been, you know, the integration of all the new players, the total squad overhaul that we had in the summer, um, and that still not entirely gelling that early in the season. Um, so, I mean, they were, they were the better team in, in that sense. But I mean, you look at some of the goals they scored in that game, um, Ridiculous. another one from outside the box. We'll talk about that in this game in a minute. So, I mean, there was, you just got to wonder what the XG was on the, some of those chances in the first one. So, uh, yeah, yeah for me, I kind of felt like if we, 
improved the performance overall and at least had a little bit more of a, a stake in the game. Um, that we had a good chance of getting a result here just because I, I didn't feel like they were going to kind of score um, as many wonder goals as they did last time. Although they got <laughs> they got pretty close in a while ways, so but ultimately got got what we needed to get done um, to kind of edge it out and uh, get the result in the end. Overall, I think even a performance that Uncle Pedro in Germany would be proud of, right? Um, let's get to the lineups in this one. Uh, first for the home team, which we are, we are, and it's kind of ironic that the guy that we kind of highlight here was a guy who was a big impact off the bench, but starting lineup in this one, Frazzle and goal, Kaminsky, Sane, Itakura in the back this time, midfield five, Oyan on the left, Vinheim on the right, Paulson, Idrizi, Salazar in the middle once again. And once again, it's Piringer with Taroda, not Bolter. Thoughts on the starting lineup on this one? Uh, I mean, Malik Chow, obviously a big omission. Um, yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see how those three kind of get swapped around now that Salif Sané is back in the picture. Um, and you would imagine that Sané is going to be starting more often than not as well. So, But I, I'm not really opposed to this if this actually kind of continues and like maybe every other game, like they're taking one of those guys out and kind of changing it around yeah. keeps everybody fresh. And I have confidence in all four of those guys, honestly. So um, not a big concern there uh, for me, Vinheim back in the lineup again, the new man after his pretty, pretty incredible debut not yeah. too long ago. Um, Adrizi and Salazar uh, centrally, which is, I think what you'd expect at this point. And then, yeah, the other talking point would be peering up top. Um, I like Piringer. I think we've been positive about Piringer on this podcast. Yeah. I disagree with him being first choice over Bolter. Um, you know, Bolter was injured prior to the Winterpause as well. So I don't know if some of this is still like load management bringing him back in. Um, and so, like, you know, once again, swapping things around, or if this is really an indication that Piringer might be kind of edging out and becoming first choice uh, in the perspective of Gramatis. If that's the case, I, I don't really agree with that um, as much as I do like Piringer. Um, but uh, not a bad performance from Piringer today. Uh, overall, um, did did lose the ball, I think, that led to the goal ultimately, but that's not you know, a loss of possession that you can really blame on him in terms of how the goal ended up being scored. So um, anything else really jump out at you? How did you feel about seeing Piringer in the lineup over over Bolter or somebody else? Yeah, I remember pre-match, I was talking with uh, one of the guys from the Facebook group, David Thielen, about Bolter versus Taroda, uh, Bolter versus Taroda, Bolter versus Piringer. And we, and we, uh, we both had the same sentiments that you are because, like, Bolter's proven himself. He deserves to be a starter. Now, if it's what, like you say, that you're trying to ease him back in after the injury, okay, that's cool. But, you know, ultimately, he should be starting over Peeringer, though Bolter seemed to do very well off the bench, right? But he does well no matter what. Um, and so that was a little odd for me. And then also, Tiao not in the lineup, and I didn't know if it was a knock or what was going on there. Uh, obviously, Kaminsky getting to the lineup wasn't that big of a drop back. Yes, Tiao is better, but Kaminsky's done well for himself this season. He's provided timely assists. Never gave us the reason to question him in the back there. You know, he's really quiet back there, which is good because if the defender's been you know noticeable, that means he's not doing his job. Um, so that was you know that was interesting for me. And then um, yeah, midfield five, I was pretty pretty fine with the one big omission. I think uh, we kind of I guess we could talk about it real quick right now is we got a new guy. The South Korean Messi, uh, Lee Dong Jong from uh, from South Korea, and um, yeah, lots of hype about this guy. So I saw some of his highlights. Very impressed. I was wondering if he was going to get at least into the onto the bench. He did not make the bench in this one. Um, you see, Fairman, Loda, Raskowski, Trilinov, Flick, Tiao, Ranfil, Mikhailov, and Bulter on the bench. Um, so not seeing him, I was a little down about that. But overall, the starting lineup was fine with me. 
Yeah, and I'm looking forward to getting a look at him uh, whenever it is that we ultimately do. Um, I saw a couple sizzle reels as well, which you know can always be maybe a little bit misleading in terms of just like constantly looking at like highlights and stuff. But yeah. Um, yeah. certainly from some of the stuff you saw in there, potentially the, the the kind of profile of a player that you'd like to see centrally that could um, help maybe extract that we like we talk about that five ten percent extra out of the offense that's going to yep. push us over the top into the promotion places. Um, and a good point from Renee here in the comments talking about yeah. um, Peeringer's. He did play well, um, yeah. you know, prior prior to this. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, I, going back to that, I would still probably agree that overall, Bolter would be first choice for me. I think he had a very good first half of the season prior to when he was injured. Um, and there seems to be some sort of like hoodoo between like Tarada and Bolter when they're on the pitch together. Um, I don't know what that's about, but like it's kind of funny at this point. Um, anyway, any other thing is just Bolter's energy. We talk about it all the time. The yeah. second, he's, he's almost like. <sighs> He's definitely more angry than like Kolasinac, for example. But do you yes. remember like before before Zale left for Arsenal initially, yeah. Yeah. he had become sort of like the emotional catalyst yeah. for the team and yeah. would just make these sort of like hustle plays or have these big energy moments that would sort of galvanize everybody. And I feel like Bolter's presence is very much similar, yeah. and, and we kind of miss yeah. that when he's not on the pitch. I, I agree 100 about that, and you it, you felt that impact when he came on, on onto the starting lineup, or into off the bench, I should say. Uh, Regensburg lineup: Meyer and Goal. Meyer was pretty good. Gimber was a, a nuisance all game long. Uh, Buskashow, Faber, Vikester was pretty good to set pieces. Singh is a danger man. We noticed in the first game as well. Albers is a guy who scored a goal. We'll get to in a minute. Uh, Guvara, Bukalfa, Breitkreitz, and uh, Elvedi, a name we remember from the Bundesliga. Um, Obviously, for me, the big name for me that I was worried about was going to be Singh. Uh, Singh did some damage to us in the first game. Granted, you know, the, the scoreline looked worse than it was, but I think Singh was very uh, involved in all, in all those goals in, in the first game. So I was I had my eye on him. Obviously, he's a Bayern Munich product. Uh, anyone in this lineup that was had your eyebrows raised when you saw them? Probably agree with that. He played some nice set pieces as well at times. Yeah. Um, so he has a little bit of that in his game. Uh, as, well. But, I mean, as well, going back to the top of this, like as I've said kind of repeatedly over the season, I, I believe in our squad, I believe in the talent that we have, and so you know, this was a game where we got slapped pretty hard the first time around, but I wasn't terribly worried about it once again, as long as we played relatively competently and we, we were in this game, even when um, even when we we're behind, so uh, yeah, I back us, yeah, and we started the we started the game up. Okay, it was back and forth. Um, lots of sloppy play by both teams in the middle, really. The passing percentages, which I like to look at, was in the 60%, 60 percentiles for a good part of the game, uh, and eventually it rose up. But it was very sloppy. It looked a very, a very evenly matched game, really. And um, we were waiting for – we knew in this kind of game that an error was going to lead to something, start off the goal scoring, and it did. Uh, so Kaminsky kind of forced the pass to Piringer. Piringer really did pretty poorly on that touch. Uh, ends up losing it to Albers. Albers ends up marauds down the pitch, and a striker taking a, a bomb from 40 yards. They're like, okay, whatever. Freaking nails it past Frazzle. Yeah. And I don't know if um, part of me is like, Frazzle should have covered it. Why was he so far out? But two is like, it was a pretty good shot, Jack. What, what were your thoughts on, on just the whole play overall and then the goal? Yeah, I mean, first of all, in the first half, like I – I felt like we did we did pretty well at times and had um, decent possession and had had some good ideas but just didn't have lack the cutting edge that we oftentimes lack and just couldn't actually get something across to take advantage of some of the better moments that we had um, and uh, you know this this goal actually came about like off of a piece of possession from us we were just yeah. kind of resetting it back to goal I think Ida Kerr maybe played it back to Frazzle and plays it to Kaminsky who has some space turns up field and and I mean maybe you could argue that the pass had a little bit of heat on it. 
from Kaminsky that made it a little bit difficult, but it's a it's a pretty poor touch from Peeringer, um, as you said, who loses it, and then uh, no one is picking up the. Yeah, you don't expect the you know the the dribbler to, to have one from 40 yards. So it means you can, you can be um, a little bit charitable in the sense of like, that's not a shot that people take every day, yeah. but the only person that seemed to show any interest in, in closing him down was actually Paulson who was running kind of more horizontally across the pitch and got there like right. I mean, like almost right yeah. when he was shooting it and, and just missed out, but Kaminsky was backing off. Everybody else was backing off. And uh, ultimately, you know, if you give somebody that kind of a shooting lane and they're feeling themselves a little bit, they're going to, they can do that every once in a while. So, um, tough uh tough especially because once again that was that was the way they scored the first goal against us in the previous match was a giveaway off of some goalkeeper play i think maybe fairman made a bad pass there i forget and it was a it was like a curler from outside the box so to just concede multiple (laughs) beyond the box shot attempts from from regensburg this season is just pretty wild and that was disheartening at the time but luckily we uh we kind of turned it around yeah and 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 i was wondering about this when the goal because i haven't i don't I, i watched it live obviously um and I thought maybe there was a deflection on the shot. And Renee is saying, yeah, it was deflected. And, and to your point, I think it was Paulson maybe that deflected it. And maybe that's why Frazzle got beat. He, I mean, shouldn't have got beat from that distance. But something would have to, to, to change slightly to make him miss it by that much. Um, so, I mean, I'll credit to Albers for taking the shot, uh, obviously. But, uh, yeah, it was um, an interesting point in the game. Because I think the first 15 minutes, I thought we did well. And then slowly but surely, Regensburg started getting confidence and getting growing more and more to the game. And I felt around the 25th minute that something bad was going to happen. And sure enough, you know, five, six minutes later, they score a goal. And at that point, I was just like, let's just get out of the half here, re- reset, because we didn't look that we didn't look that great in the second half of that first yeah. half. Um, and we needed that break to come sooner than later. And we're creating yeah, anything. It, it was tough, too, because v- Vinheim, of course, gets injured early into this match. So he's replaced with Ranful. Um, yeah. And, and Vinheim is obviously a... We've seen it, you know, small sample sizes, we always say, you know, that famous term, small sample size, right? But like, it provides an option and can do some things and create some things down the right hand side. So he leaves and you get replaced with Ranful, who, no offense to Ranful, doesn't provide that kind of consistent yeah. thrust offensively. Yeah. You also had a pretty anonymous game from Salazar, who has been poor, poor recently. Um, and then I think simultaneously, even though I was just giving Paulson some credit, I think this was one of Paulson's worst games in possession. Yeah. Um, and, Idrisi the defic- wasn't that great either. The, 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 the deficiencies that we talk about in Paulson's game on the ball, I think, were very evident in this one. And yeah. They're sometimes not as evident. Yeah. Um, and so when you have like, you know, when you have your your right side that's not producing much, and then you have two of your three central midfielders who are really struggling to connect passes or like do anything with the ball, it makes it really hard to build and create chances. Um, people are already paying a lot of attention to Oyan and making it difficult for him to to do things. So that's when you need those other guys to step up. And I felt like um, for various reasons, it just wasn't happening for us as much as it needed to in the first half. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point too. And, you know, obviously having Vinheim go down so quickly uh, was, was a gut punch. You know, someone who had such an excellent debut, we th- we're hoping to see more of that. You know, him with Oyan, you think it's a great compliment for each other and it'll keep the defenders honest because they're not going to overcrowd uh, Oyan with what Vinheim did, but then he goes down with an injury. Ronfo comes in, and you know, Ronfo can put a shift in here and there, but you know, he's not the same quality as, as an Iden or even a Vinheim. Uh, so you know, he did what he could in the, in the game. Um, and we made it out of the first half, you know, down only one nothing. Um, we knew some things had to happen in the in the second half. You know, we have some guys on the bench. I was screaming for some guys to uh, make some substitutions. I didn't see. So Peeringer, while he hadn't made the mistake, I thought he was at least active. He was, you know, coming yes, back very much on defense. So. Yeah. And I thought if anyone had to go, I thought it would have been Tarota, just because he seemed a little more static compared to Peeringer. 
and I wanted to award Peringer for at least the hard work because it made it a little mm. bit diff- more difficult. But um, yeah, thoughts on? I mean, you, you yeah. kind of already went through, but Peringer, would you not agree that he actually put some effort in despite you know losing the ball and causing the turnover? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, despite the comments that I made about both throughout the start of this, which I which I stand by, yeah, I thought Peringer actually had a pretty good game for the most part outside of that mistake that led to the goal. Um, I think he was pretty successful. He won most of his aerial and ground duels. That's so once again, you're talking about some of the things he's doing off the ball, um, you know, defensively or, or tracking things down was, was very active. And that's obviously important when you have um, Tirada, who's not going to cover quite as much ground, um, you know, from that position. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's harsh after 60 minutes if you haven't scored to swap out one of your strikers, Yeah, but yeah, but he, I don't think he played particularly poorly either. Yeah. So I, I feel you. And, I think, and, and the good thing is, sorry, the other thing is no, at least ahead. we don't have David Wagner who is waiting until the 85th minute <laughs> to make any substitutions when it's quite clear, like, you know, like the second half of this game, we didn't make any subs at halftime and I was fine with that. But usually what you'd like to see in that situation is give it 15 minutes, see if whatever the halftime message was takes hold with that same group of players. Exactly. And if it doesn't work, then around the 60th minute, you want to make changes. Gramatis did exactly that. I thought it was actually a very poor opening 15. Regensburg were kind of running rampant, doing a lot of work in transition, uh, which was quite dangerous. And then yeah. you saw that triple sub that really settled things down, brought us back in the game, almost an immediate impact. But uh, yeah, you see, you see Bolter come on, you see Zalazar get the hook, which I thought was deserved in this game as well. Um, and then who was the third sub right off the bat? I forget. Um Said Flick, uh, um, Flick was Tiao, Tiao came in. Yeah, Tiao came on for for Salif Sane, um, and I thought Sane was was fine in this game. So yeah. I think maybe once again that could be like a load management thing potentially, because um, even when Sane's been healthy, he's gotten re-injured a couple times. So, uh, and I have no problem with that. Once again, you have four center backs; they're all good. It's a good problem to have. And I think all of us FIFA heads, we kind of look at that sixty minute mark where we kind of make a substitution, like you said. You know, give it, give some, give some time in the second half, and nothing happens. You know, especially if you're losing, switch it up and uh, try to get some fresh legs in there. So, uh, you know, something I noticed, and Renee brings it up point too, is that you know, usually we're the ones who, and I, I mentioned this on the on the live stream, usually we're the ones who are the aggressors with the with the press, and we're the ones trying to cause the turnovers. And it seemed like we weren't into that, and and Regensburg were really doing that. Uh, and to Renee's Renee's point, you know they're they're very difficult to play against because they're pl- they're he calls them like the Freiburg of the second division. They're they're difficult to play against when they do that, and we've been successful when we've done that. Uh, you know this season, and not going to the press for whatever reason really let Regensburg into the game and then dictate how they wanted to put the pressure against us. And it really I think sort of tired some of these guys out. Maybe contribute to the performances of Salazar, Idrizi, and Paulson for having poor games really, uh, and so. I was disappointed in that. I kept screaming, like, press, press, what are you doing? And a couple of times they did press. It caused some good things. But I think, you know, ultimately, to your credit, the, the substitutions that came in, instant impacts. Obviously, Boulter uh, right away within, like, what, three minutes of him coming on. Um, mm. Lovely play. So a guy who we've, we've, we've talked about his assist all season long, Kaminsky, nice over-the-top pass to Boulter. I mean, pinpoint pass. Boulter heads it back right to Tarota. Toe pokes it in past the goalkeeper. Yeah. That chemistry you talked about, that's a great way. Instant impact there by Bolter. Uh, and I, I was like, oh, I want to throw it off. Well, never mind. <laughs> Forget that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, for anyone who's listening to this and not watching this live in chat, when we keep re- referencing Renee, we're talking about obviously one of our friends who's participating in the chat here. And uh, anytime Renee's in the chat, we're going to take advantage of it because it's insightful and good commentary usually. But it, it, he says you can't take Tarot off because he can, you know, make something happen. I and I believe the, you know, the Shaco TV commentator in English at one point said Tarada doing Tarada things, um, yep. which is what it is. I mean, he can be quiet for 60 minutes in a match and all it takes is that one chance, that one half chance in the box. 
And uh, there's nobody else that you'd rather have in that kind of position to sweep that up and, and make sure that you convert it. Um, and the thing that was so spectacular about this goal is this is a borderline identical goal to the one goal that we did score against Regensburg in the first match this season, which was the ball gets cycled out to Malik Chow, who plays it kind of diagonally backwards into more space for mm -hmm. Kaminsky. And while that ball is kind of moving backwards and you're drawing the defenders kind of upfield towards the ball, somebody in the first game it was Cherlinov. This time it was Bolter. Yep. makes that run kind of off the shoulder. Kaminsky plays a gorgeous lofted diagonal, and then it's headed into Toronto, who finishes. It's, it's almost exactly the same goal that we scored. Um, so the fact that Kaminsky did that to them twice and that it was executed, I mean, you almost wonder if that was scripted, like to some extent, because they did that in the first game and they yeah. were like waiting for an opportunity to try it. I mean, Kaminsky got into some similar positions a couple of times. Didn't look, he was looking for that that much, but um, yeah, I got a lot of enjoyment out of that. And then of course, you know, Bolter's face immediately. Um, <laughs> and just as an emotional thing, as something else I want to mention, I love the energy on the bench. Yes. And people, oh, people may have differing opinions on this. Like, maybe they don't want the sporting director as involved in kind of like getting in the midst of like, you know, the I team dynamic or whatever. But the fact that you have like Gramatis and, and Schroeder and, um, you know, Asamoah and, uh, and Buskins all on the bench at the same time. And they're all like talking to the officials and being emotional and, and providing that. I think that's got a yellow. For yeah, talking. yeah, he did. Um, because Tronoff dove and <laughs> I blame Tronoff for that. Like Gramatis yellow. But anyway, Anyway, I love the energy on the bench. And uh, yeah, the second that goal scored, you could hear the Velton's Arena. I think the 10,000 fans or whatever we were allowed to have in um, really kind of picked up the energy yeah. levels and that uh, really turned the match very quickly. Yeah. And I think the insertion of Bolter really ignited the Nord Curve as well. You could feel the crowd all of a sudden get into the game, which is great. Uh, and yeah, no, no, it was this instant impact by him. Uh, you, you know, Cherlinov came off for a brief appearance. Well, did did you know contributed to the team uh eventually i think i don't know if he, even he led to the the foul and the but 10 minutes later yeah he won the free kick that was the second goal that we scored it's correct yeah and oyan doing oyan things beautiful cross into the box and uh bolter again near post run flicks it back right to tiao tiao puts it away wonderfully done uh the two subs make an instant impact in this one bolter two assists uh, but yeah, what a goal there. And obviously he's a Toronto jumping on his back on Tiao's back and team going nuts. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, a, a little bit, a little bit fortunate of a goal, obviously, because it's sure. not as if, you know, Oyan was playing a little bit of a deflection, but Bolter getting involved again, second, you know, flicked on header assist in a matter of like, you know, five minutes or whatever it was. And, yeah. um, you know, very, uh, confident and, and opportunistic finish from, from Malik Chow there, which you love to see. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I I do wonder sometimes, this is maybe perception thing, when he's in the lineup with Sané at the same time, I feel like he gets little brothered a little bit from Sané. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that almost hurts his confidence. And I feel like when he's out there by himself, he tends to be a little bit more saucy of a player. So I don't know I, if you've picked up on this or if this is totally, totally me, but no, it could be. I haven't picked it up, but it could be. You know, Sane is more of a defensive present. That's has been his back line for a while now, right? So he's gonna dictate the defense how they do it more than than Itakura will. Itakura is probably the quiet leader back there. He makes those great tackles, but but Sane is gonna be the one telling people, you know, push up, come back, don't do this, don't do that. So maybe he's preventing Tiao from making those runs like he has like he has the freedom when Itakura's back there. Maybe. Yeah, that's a that's a good thing, interesting thing to look at going forward. because uh, that very well could be it. Uh, but it does seem to play a little bit more freedom. Um and pizzazz, I, I don't know if that's the right word, uh, when Itakura is alongside him as opposed to um, Tiao. And it's nice seeing Itakura doing well again on the right side of the, of the back three. We've seen him so much in that middle. 
that uh you know sometimes making that switch just you know a few feet over it can really change your game and it hasn't done for Itakura. Minus he, he, was, he was a huge signing, wasn't he? To, to really just to round out yeah. that that back three pairing, and he's been very consistent. I mean, like yeah, I think it was like the first couple games he was a little shaky as he was integrating, and after that, he's been borderline faultless since then. Yeah. Um, no, but it's a good point you make about Zane and sort of like you know the direction and everything. And it's funny, um, in the second half, I don't know if you were going to mention this. There's one other moment and I forgot where it, where it kind of originates from, but Regensburg is in transition, and um, ball carriers around 30, 40 yards out. And Kaminsky's backing off his man again, and the yeah. guy has a shot, and it hits the post, hits the crossbar. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And that was a scary moment, and you could see Sane is like immediately like yelling at Kaminsky, and I don't know if Sane's like, "Hey, you did that in the first half, and the guy scored. Maybe you want to step up." I don't know yeah. what the conversation yeah. was, but yeah, kind of interesting moment there. Yeah. And you know, maybe this is something Regensburg noticed too. Frazzle comes out a little bit too far sometimes, and and they've, other teams have taken pops at him from distance. So maybe that's a weakness they've seen, and you talked about how Kaminsky's seen the weak, or Chaka's seen the weakness against Regensburg about that over-the-top pass that kind of works. So both teams, I guess, finding the weaknesses of the opposition there. We got lucky with that post because uh, I could not take another beautiful, another wonder goal from that distance, or any 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 distance really. So Lucky, I don't remember. I don't remember exactly when that happened, but I remember it was. I want to say it was like in the one-one time frame before that second goal. Um, I could be wrong. So I feel like they almost scored. We went on the other end and scored a goal, but nonetheless, yeah, it may have been. nonetheless, it was um, yeah, two to one victory. Um, happy I do want to. Sorry, I do. I yeah, apologize. I keep interrupting you. Um, we're jumping around a little bit. I, I do want to shout out Chirinov though. Um, didn't, didn't play particularly well, didn't really get involved in the game that much when he was on the pitch, um, but was yanked after 10 minutes. My interpretation of that was, you know, we had subbed him on as a replacement for Salazar, who was play, who was gassed and not playing particularly well when we were still chasing the game at that point. Um, Trulinov was kind of playing out of position, centrally. Like, you wouldn't yeah. typically put him there anyway. Kind of a stopgap to replace Salazar. You suddenly take the lead, and so he gets subbed out for Florian Flick which to me is a defensive substitution once you have the lead of the game and you're just trying to shore things up and yes. see it out. So for me, that wasn't really a reflect. It wasn't like a commentary on, on Sherlinov's play. Um, I don't see if there's anything that came out after the game in terms of any like comments he made or anything, but at the time he seemed to handle it like remarkably well, um, yes. like very maturely, like didn't cause a scene, no like pouting, you know, nothing, whatever. And, and that's always an awkward position to be in as a player um, to go on the pitch and then be subbed out 10 minutes later. It's, it's, you know, it can be awkward. It can be insulting, um, and, uh, so the fact that he took it that well and seemed to like get it and, and didn't cause a scene, I think is very commendable. And I just wanted to give him a shout out. Cause that's the kind of like, that's the kind of team play you need. Like you need yes. to be able to go in there and play a role and, you know, do whatever job the, the coach wanted you to do. And like, he, he's going to get starts before the season's over. He's going to have, you know, more opportunities than this. And so I, I just appreciated that he handled it as well as he did. It's not like this is a frequent thing with him where you bring him off for a couple minutes and take him off. This is the first time it's happened. So yeah, kudos to him. Did he do anything after the game or something that, uh, no, I didn't, I didn't, oh, okay, I'm just saying okay. it in case I missed something okay. and then like, you know, then I, stand corrected potentially but at the time yeah. it seemed like he was very mature about it so yeah yeah and i agree and i think overall performance was decent um it was a hard-fought match two to one victory yeah. uh shots fairly even shots on target even possession fairly even i mean everything's pretty even in this game um we turned it on with the substitutions i think you mentioned yep. this too Gramozzi's hit the nail on the head with the substitutions uh, even the short one with, with Trilinov, and it paid off in this one we don't often praise the substitutions and some of the tactics of Gramozzi, but I'm thinking this one, he got it right. While the first half was off, he corrected it. The team corrected it, and uh, it worked out ultimately at the end. Um, 
so yeah, it was two one victory there, and people are going to question about Frazzle being in goal. And R- Renee brings up the point, you know, what do you guys think about our goalkeeper situation in the future? Frazzle, Longers, obviously you got Fairman as well. Um, we we both have been big proponents of Fairman saying, you know, hey, you know. We get the substitution sort of by Frazzle because that's kind of, you know, maybe Gramozzi's brought him in or whatever, and nothing. Fairman did nothing to lose his spot, right? And then so when we played the friendly before this game against Cologne, Fairman got the start, and I was curious to see how he would do. And I think the team did very well against a Bundesliga club, a top-10 Bundesliga club. Two goals in that game were given away by bad mistakes by Fairman in that game. And I'm like, okay, well, the main difference between the two is the distribution. And... So I think long-term, I don't know if Fairman's great to have on a team. He's great, you know, captain-type material, great for yeah. the locker room. But is Frazzle the answer going forward, especially if you get promoted or as longers? I don't think so. we got to find someone else, whether it's a youngster. Yeah. I don't know. Schubert, I guess, we sold again, instead of a loan. Yeah, I mean, um, particularly if we get promoted – um, yeah. Obviously, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here because promotion is really the only focus that we have for the rest of the season. So we don't want to start, you know, talking too too far in the future. But um, I think, particularly if we get promoted, then I, I think to Renee's point here in the chat, like, yeah, you will need to get a new goalkeeper. I'm not convinced yeah. that like Frazzle or Fairman are going to be what we want in the Bundesliga going forward. Where's Frederick um, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wonder what, what wonder what Nubel's up to these days. Probably oh, not much. Um, poorly. I guess like he's busy right now. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, no, but yeah, I agree with your take. Like, I, I thought Fairman getting yanked when he did was a little bit harsh, but you know, Frazzle's played very, you know, fine. Um, I, I think both of them are good for the season. You know, Fairman already on a pay cut as it is. Yeah. Um, to stay with the club, so if that salary even even diminished, um, it, it's still an issue on the books. Uh, it is, I think, at this point, probably if it becomes a financial necessity, it's probably difficult to justify Fairman's presence too much longer, um, yeah. because he just hasn't been performing that well. Um, no. if he was like you know the reliable veteran who could come in whenever needed and just kind of like unquestionably put in a solid performance. Um, it'd be one thing. Um, and I do think there's been some hard situations on him a little bit, but he does, he does make mistakes at this point in his career a little bit. Um, and certainly not somebody that I think you would want to have as your starting keeper going forward in an ideal world. I'll say or a high wage backup or a high wage backup either. Exactly. Yeah. And Renee says even, even Frazzle's contracts have been held off so far. So yeah, I think we need a goalkeeper if we, especially if we get promoted, um, Michel Longer, I mean, you could keep him if he's cheap, really. If you can't, you know, as just a backup, he's he's decent as a backup, I guess. Um, but we certainly need a new starting goalkeeper for sure. If we, you know, going forward, no matter what, probably. And William Crump, William Crump says um, Dan Rose, he's the young Irish player that we youngest Irish keeper that we picked up. I'm not sure how he's doing with the youth team. Um, I'm going to ask, ask Cedric or um, Kessie how they're doing. Maybe Renee knows. I haven't seen much of him with the youth team. Um, but I'm curious how he's doing, you know, he one for the future potentially. If we do get a good young keeper and can we just put the keeper in a Fairman jersey and just hope that nobody notices it's a different player? Because I'm really tired <laughs> of like, you know, the, these youth players emerging. And like after a half a season of play, there's Neuer 2.0. To, Neuer to buy 2.0. Them. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's so frustrating. Like, yeah, yeah, it'd be nice to have some stability back there. Um, yeah. There's been so many people in and out of that position over the last three, four years. And that's not a position that you want to see that kind of movement, in in my opinion, personally. Like, that's, you know, the, the more consistent and solid a presence as you can have back there. Yeah. You know, the team's going to be used to the way they try to organize things from the back and that kind of stuff. And, and having, 
you know, a revolving door of keepers is probably not a good stabilizing mechanism for a uh, team that's been in kind of the precarious situations that Schalke have been over the last few seasons. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of revolving door, another position we have a revolving door in is right back, and we thought it was solidified uh, with Vinheim possibly, but his injury now seems a bit long-term. It's, it sounds he's out for at least for you a few weeks, hopefully nothing more. We don't know yet. I know it's a calf injury, I believe is what I read. Uh, but it sucks. He, he makes a great debut. We have all these high hopes. Now he's out. Ronfell's there. I mean, Iden was out, I think. I don't know if it's because of COVID reasons or what, what was the reason. But, you know, going forward, it's going to be Ronfell and Iden and maybe Chilinov. Or Chilinov, right. That's, uh, I mean, that's the question for me is I think I, don't know, I, I think as long as Bolter and Torado are healthy, Bolter, Torado, and Piringer are going to be the three players most likely to be started up top. Yeah. I don't think Chilinov's going to get a lot of looks in the short term in that position. And so I wonder if you're looking for an opportunity to get him in the mix, if you put him back, you know, in sort of that wing back position until Vinheim is healthy, until, you know, Iden is kind of reintegrated. I mean, it, Just probably, makes, there, just saying. it probably makes sense to start Chilinov with the offensive flair and try to get goals early. And once you get a goal, swap him out for someone like a Ronfil or an Iden. Um, though as much as I love Iden and I want to see him progress and get some, uh, you know, progress with his talents and, and really evolve his game, Chirlinov brings that offensive flair that the other two guys don't have on a consistent basis. Uh, and so once, once you get that goal, like in this last game, you take him off and put, it, and put someone else on the right side, Matriciani even, I don't even know. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't trust Randful. I don't. But our options are limited at the moment. Defensively, I trust him more than Chirlinov, I'll tell you that. Early in the season, we were bitching and yeah, I agree with about that. Yeah, I, I, I think I think Ronfell is probably like reasonably better than Trilinov defensively, but I think Trilinov is probably reasonably better than Ronfell offensively going forward. And I um, nice certainly provides more on the dribble, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Ranfell plays crosses in, but they aren't consistently as like dangerous and well played as yeah. like Oweyan, for example. Like Oweyan isn't whipping a lot of aimless balls in the box just to get balls into the box. Yeah, and sometimes. Ranful seems to just kind of be playing things slightly more haphazardly. That's my take. But yeah, on a plus side, um, team of the week, Malik Tiao made the team of the week this year in this fight the Liga. Uh, last week we had two players in the in the, in the team of the week, and this week we have uh, Malik Tiao. So good on him. Uh, good performance from him. Game winning goal. Uh, Thirty minute Bol- cameo team of the week performance at that. I'm say, surprised Bolter you know. didn't make it with his two assists, but you know that's me. That's just me. You know so. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, Tiao was good defensively as well. Um, I was. mean, not not just the goal that he scored, that kind of thing, but he was he, he came on and he helped settle things down in the last half an hour once we had that lead for sure. He did, he did. Good player. Um, it is a good player. We have to keep him up. I'm glad he didn't go uh, to Milan or anywhere else uh, during the transfer yes. market because uh, lots Seriously. of rumors about that. Lots of rumors about that. The back, the back three, the stability of the back three is so important to our. I mean, because like the idea that you have Oweyan, Kaminsky. Iakura and and Chow and now Sane like every week like game in game out like having that stability at the back I think is very important and it's, yes. it's helped us kind of provide the launching pad and once again now it's just kind of getting that little extra bit out of the offense and we'll be in, in a better position and it's more important ever that we play with a, a chemistry because the, the top of the league is getting tighter and tighter Hamburg just blew away the top of the table Darmstadt five nothing this weekend. And now they leapfrogged us. Uh, Werder's ahead of us. St. Pauli is still in second place, and Darmstadt still in first. But Heidenheim, it's high with Heidenheim high. as well. Yeah, it's, it's high like with Heidenheim. Yeah, Hamburg us and Heidenheim on thirty-seven. It is getting tight, and we need to almost win out. I mean, someone's going to go on a run here and have to just to get out of this league. 
And, you know, to William's point is, you know, the goal differential, which we are second best in the league right now, which is in our favor, which is rare to say. We haven't said that in a long time. Uh, goal differential in our favor. But we need to get goals. And Toronto's tied in the league lead now with goals again. Um, Bolter, who was in the top 10 in scoring for us, we just got to need the extra 10%, like you said, the extra 10% every game, continue to be solid defensively, whoever the back three is or back five. Um, yeah, and, and move forward and go up. So, yeah. Uh, Renee says, what's your preferred back lineup for the next week? Next week? I mean, for me, I guess the answer to that would be like, how do you expect um, Dusseldorf to come out in this one? Yeah. Uh, because I mean, this is, if you feel like, if you feel like Dusseldorf is going to sit in the box and kind of bunker in a little bit more, um, then I'm, I'm almost probably more likely to be like, yeah, bench, bench Kaminsky because that long ball over the top is probably not going to be as much of an option as opposed to a team like Regensburg that's going to press you a little bit more and going to come out yeah. and put that ball pressure, which maybe he can open some things, you know, a little bit more directly over the top. Um, so I'd kind of probably go with, uh, who I think is maybe the a little bit rangier, a little bit pacier, more reliable kind of defensive option um, as opposed to Kaminsky because, you know, if we have a lot of possession, for example, against Dusseldorf and, and a lot of their chances are going to be coming in transition on the break, I'd probably yeah. say that Kaminsky's the guy that should be left out in that situation. And we know Itakura is very talented with his feet. He could probably push up at times. Malik Tiao, we've seen already this year, he can do that as well. Uh, and so you have that solidifying figure back there, Sane, with other two letting be able to press up a little bit more in certain opportunities, especially if it's a, you know, a park the bus type of defense by Dusseldorf. Yeah, I would go with those three and bench Kaminsky in this one. Um, the, my optimal back three would be no matter what, all everyone healthy. It would be Kaminsky, or excuse me, uh, Tiao, Sane, and Itakura. Yeah, you know. So. But yeah, but as as we keep saying, I don't think there, I don't think there's a game where Kaminsky's in the lineup and you're like, ooh, like yikes. Like I think anytime Kaminsky's in the lineup, you're like, I'm completely confident with that yeah it might not be like totally ideal in terms of who i really think are the best three but i'm not going to be upset or like worried if kaminsky's in the starting 11 he's he's definitely earned his place there for sure exactly exactly it sounds like dusseldorf uh sector manager we played another team earlier this year where the same thing happened um we were afraid maybe a a bump with sandhausen uh we thought maybe they were you know come at us really hard with that and so we'll see you never know you never know what that uh new manager bump that may happen so uh some talking points before we get out of here uh Bujala, yes, not not in the starting uh, starting options. Says Schroeder, and we kind of said that here in, on our podcast. We don't think it's going to happen just because. Yeah, um, I still haven't read a ton more, but yeah, he, he had obviously gotten released uh, for violating team rules or protocols Misconduct or whatever that was, which is yeah. not a good look for a young player. You know, on loan trying to get more <clears throat> minutes and kind of get something yeah. going in his career. Um, so we were wondering if this is going to be a situation where we could reintegrate him if he's going to start being an option. And it sounds like, as you said, the early returns of that Schroeder's like, we'll kind of reevaluate in the summer. We're not anticipating him being in the first team picture at any point here on the Brook Runner. The chemistry is so good with this team at the moment. Uh, why ruin that by bringing in someone? We're not sure what the circumstances are behind the scenes. So just don't ruin what's good right now with the team and let them continue somebody, moving forward. Somebody who's never particularly impressed me either. We said this a couple podcasts ago, I think, of, of like that young group of players. Um, <laughs> sorry, we're la- once again, to those who are not watching the live stream and you know we're interacting with the chat, that's why. But I mean, yeah, we're just called Bujalev, the, the PES version of Bentleb, which is a, that's an all-time comment. That's pretty funny. Um, but uh, <laughs> of that younger group, so like, like Flick, Idrizi, uh, Katuchu, uh, Bujaleb, you know, whoever you want to, Bozduan, right? Yeah. Of that group of players, Bujaleb was always to me the least convincing, and the player that I just never really thought offered 
much of anything when he was on the pitch. So I wouldn't be in a hurry to kind of reintegrate him anyway. So I'm, I'm yeah. totally fine with that, with that decision from Schroeder and Grabatsis. Absolutely. I agree with that. And speaking of Schroeder, rumors were circulating that maybe he would go to Gladbach um, next season. And, we, you know, he's done so well for us. And why not? He's, of course, he's going to get called up, possibly, you know, mentioned with all these other teams because of what he's done with Shaka. We, we talked, well, at least I said it, that to me, he's the signing of the season because what he's done yeah. from basically nothing. Uh, but he came out and said, nope, I'm with Shaka next year, so no worries. And I, you know, we can all breathe at least a sigh of relief that, you know, hopefully we get promoted and he can see what he can do with maybe a little bit more money. Um, but if not, at least I, I 100% trust what he can do with no money. So yeah, uh, let's see. I'm, I'm happy. I, I love his passion on the bench with, you know, Buskins and, and Gerald Asamoah and, and Gramozis. So, yeah, I, I, I love seeing him. Yeah. The second I saw those Gladbach rumors, because, you know, April obviously resigning, which is a huge yeah. moment. I mean, to go back to the Bundesliga for a second, everything that he's done for Gladbach over, over recent seasons. Um, I mean, he's going to be a hot commodity wherever he ends up next for sure. Uh, regardless of what's going on with Gladbach this season. But yeah, when I saw those Schroeder rumors, I was just like, why can't we have nice things? Like, why can't we have, once again, it's like six months into somebody being at the club and it's like some other big club is trying to poach him immediately. It's so frustrating. But thank, thankfully, Schroeder sticking around. Uh, I totally agree with you with, in terms of him being the signing of the season. Um, I, I really uh, respect and kind of believe in what he did in terms of the personnel overhaul that was required in the squad. Um, and uh, I would... I if we gain promotion, which is obviously the goal, I would love to see what he's able to do in that sort of transition year back into the Bundesliga and what can, what he can do with the squad there. I think that'd be fascinating. So hopefully we get a chance to see it. And I think the f- most fascinating thing for me with Schroeder and the signings he's made is how he was able to convince Toroto with the mixed mash of players that he was going to bring in that this is going to work. Toroto is going to look, A, to be on a team that he can score goals on, and two, try to get another stint in the Bundesliga somehow with a, with a club. And so whatever he did to convince Toronto was got to be magic. I mean, we, if you come into a situation like Schalke, if you're Toronto, you, you don't know who the who you're going to play with, who any of these players are. You don't know who he's going to be signing. So, like, it's a lot of un- unknowns with that. So, you know, Schroeder must have convinced them, you know, mightily and obviously for good reason. Um, so, yeah, it's a full credit to Schroeder and what he can do with the, with the uh, pen in his hand, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, happy yeah. he's staying. So for sure, and t- Toronto's so good, man. Once yes. again, just all, all he needs is that one moment, and he he comes up with something. So he can be yeah. quiet for ninety nine percent of the match. And he can still win you a match. Pretty incredible. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you heard this, but apparently Robbie Matondo is lighting it up in Belgium. Um, I haven't heard I, this, but I have heard him. that in the chat. So <laughs> second, well, that's all I saw. <laughs> Ryan, no, I, 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 have, I have not been following uh, one Robbie Matondo, but obviously we wish him well. Um, and uh, hey, if he keep if he you know does well, good for he's him. Still a player, right? He's still love, a player love, with us. Love books. to see it. He's on loan, right? I'll have to go. Yeah, I think so. I'll have to go see if we can find some sizzle reels for uh, <laughs> what Matondo is doing. It's funny because uh, today I saw a picture of Matondo. And I was like, I wonder how he's doing these days. And, and apparently he's doing well. So I got to go, yeah, like you said, look up some highlights and see what he's doing over there. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about, again, is um, the new man, the South Korean Messi, as they're calling him. Oh, I'm going to – I'm not going to – you know, we're not going to get too much of the Messi thing. But um, I'm excited from what I've seen of him. And we're going to do – I'm going to do a, a tactics video on him here shortly. But uh, – from what I've seen, he is the offensive attacking midfielder that we don't have. Uh, he's very good with both feet. He's got a good shot on him. His vision is ridiculous, uh, and he's very improvisational, and he can get out of tight James. He's good with his feet. 
Um, I'm curious what he's gonna do in the, in the fight to Liga. Um, he didn't get he didn't get use him on the on the stands in this one, but I imagine he'll be with the team soon. And maybe a game like Dusseldorf is a great opportunity. Not maybe not to start, but at least come off the bench and give him a, a chance against a team that's lower in the table as opposed to a Hamburg or, or Darmstadt or something like that. So, um, yeah, I, as always, I'm not gonna claim. I'm not going to pretend that I know a lot about this guy. Um, I, I had a FIFA manager uh, career mode with Osan Hyundai back in like 2008, and I've had pretty much zero interaction with the club uh, in the past decade since. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in the brief highlight clips that you see, uh, certainly looks like the kind of player that we could use centrally um, to help yeah. some, uh, unlock some things and, and you know provide a little bit of you know a touch of class, maybe pick out a, a better pass. Um, yeah, not to not to kind of dunk on Zawatsar here, who has been an important player for us this season. But like when you look at like some of the things that, you know, our, our new man's doing in, in these highlight clips comparatively, it's like it's just a little bit more yeah. controlled, refined, got a better vision, can play a pass. Zawatsar is very frenetic on the dribble, yeah. you know, making things happen by dragging people out of position, which which has its place and which can be useful. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, what he can provide. So yeah. Uh, and Never bad. Like, we we wonder if it's gonna be a striker, right? Like if if Shorter was gonna bring in that striker, and and it didn't end up going that way, but this could be equally as valuable. We'll see. Yeah, and you know, not only for Salazar, but maybe Idrizi, because I mean, this is a number ten, you know, potentially. And if he can do some of the things, he can even look like he can do on some of these videos from the highlights, and then let Salazar do his box to box thing. Uh, you might have something there, and then you know. What if what happens if Lotsa comes back? Lotsa is still going to be a, a bench bench player, backup player. Paulson, we've talked about before. He's by far the the starter between the two of them. Uh, and then Flick, you you know, he's been doing some good things as well. But Lotsa, Lotsa has, has good impact. He's a, obviously the club captain, but coming off the bench, I think he does good things. And we saw you know two goals last game, uh, which is something good. Dude, this is this might be wild, but like, let's just say you wanted to give a start to our new signing. I I think I think I drop Salazar and keep Idrizi right now. I'd like um, to see how that works though. Two it, it's guys. Just the the is this is recency bias, but the last couple games in particular, Idrizi's been um, seemingly a little bit more under control as well. Because it, uh, this is going to take. I'm sorry, I, I've I've gone on a bunch of rambles today. I apologize. I have a lot of thoughts this evening. So thank you for bearing. You're still thawing out from Minnesota. I get it. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you remember Weston McKenney at his time at Schalke, like had the ability to make things happen on the ball, but was a little bit inconsistent, a little bit unrefined, took a heavy touch, would beat one man, but would do it in a way where he can't control the next touch and then lose it, you know, that kind of a thing. Yep. But if you watch him now with like the U.S. men's national team or at Juventus, like especially he looks like arguably the most technically refined player in the U.S. men's national team pool. Like he's improved in that regard significantly. And I feel like there's been a slight similar arc to Adrizi a little mm. bit, like earlier in the season, limited cameos, but like, you know, you know, frenetic player can make some things happen, but sometimes a little bit out of position, you know, trying to do a little bit too much. Since the Vinter Powers of these first couple of games, very in control, like pulls off some great technical things consistently. He he didn't have a lot of passes cut out in this game, and there were some difficult balls that he played, like little like loop, little like chip passes over the top, making a lot of things happen. Like whenever he needed to make a connecting pass, he seemed to be able to do it, and that was very impressive to me. Um, and I, I yeah, I've just been liking what I'm seeing from him a lot recently. And if I if I'm not mistaken, I thought he's uh, Gramozzi says he's been doing really well in practice and really pushing the tempo and things, which is good to see. And maybe just maybe Salazar needs to take a breather and maybe recoup and re regain some of that fight uh, uh, fire that he was missing over the last couple of games since uh Vinta Pausa ended. So 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not against that. Uh, I just still want to see the new guy no matter what, whether it's yep. a whole 90 or 60 or 30 or whatever. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, let's let's see. <laughs> David Fungaritis. <laughs> All right. Next game is on Sunday morning. Early, early game. Uh, another watch along to be seen. To be seen. No, I think we I think we'll have another watch along here. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's see. I don't know if we're gonna do a another podcast next Monday. That's Valentine's Day, and I'd like to stay married. So we'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk. That's fair enough. Fair enough. We'll talk. Uh, Maybe I'll yeah. do a special uh, Lonely Hearts edition of the Shock America podcast. <laughs> Just me and my fellow uh, single individuals. <laughs> and you can uh, have some time with the missus. No. Um, <laughs> uh, anything else you want to talk before we, no. before we get out here? No, not at all. Not on that uh, note? <laughs> got got to have a result against Dusseldorf. Yes. Need it. Um, as three you said, points. top of the three table. Multi, multi, two teams tied on 38. Three, time, three teams, including us, tied on 37. Um, playing a bottom table here against Dusseldorf. Need to make it happen. Need yeah. it. points. We need it. We need it. Uh, shout out to the chat. You guys lively tonight. Thank you. Making our making this all awesome as, as always. And shout out to Maj1904 on YouTube with the videos of uh, Lee Dong Jong. Uh, definitely give him a follow. Uh, great videos for Shaka. So definitely give him a follow. All right, Jack. Um, any shout outs tonight? Uh, any, who, where can our followers find you on social media? Folks, find me at JM Mangan, J M M A N G A N on Twitter. Uh, I will post a picture of me in cold weather gear from the Minnesota uh, U.S. Men's National Team versus Honduras World Cup qualifier. And you can enjoy uh, that obnoxious outfit. I'll do that just for uh, our dear Shock America listeners here shortly. Beautiful, beautiful. And it sounds so much better when you say your username as opposed to me. I don't know why I did it last week. Whatever. Whatever. You can follow me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next podcast comes or watch along, we'll catch you soon. Luke Alf. Mm-hmm.